Well, hi, Family Church, Gospel, Bridgebury, and anybody else that may be watching tonight. Just want to welcome you uh, on this Valentine's Day. I guess uh, the, one of the greatest expressions of love would be to leave your office knowing there's only three minutes before FC Live starts because you know you've not set up the, uh, the online service for your wife. So I'll run out of the house, in, out of the office in the rain and get it all set up for my darling wife so that she can watch me as I share the word with you all tonight. So um, happy Valentine's to everybody and especially to my darling wife, Jane. And uh, I just trust whilst you're here um, listening tonight that the, the Spirit of God really takes a hold of the Word and encourages you and empowers you. The Word of God is a seed. We know that the Word of God is an incorruptible seed. The Bible says it's a seed that doesn't fade, which means it always carries the potential to produce the life that is in the seed. And as we allow our heart to be the good ground, where that seed can land, there is always the potential of bringing forth the harvest of his word. So trust tonight as the seed of God, God's word is placed in your heart that you will encounter the living word, the rhema of God's word come alive in your heart tonight. Got a few things obviously I want to share. We'll continue now our look at building the house. Um, I trust that you've enjoyed it. Last week's message was very significant, I believe, for uh, numerous people. And some of the con uh, contacts that I've had back um, was really encouraging that it was a word in season for a lot of people. Then Jane, a couple of weeks ago, spoke uh, on what it looks like to be walking in disunity and how that can have such a negative effect upon our lives. And tonight, I really want to talk about dealing with opposition. If you've lived any length of time, if you've been involved in family or community stuff or church stuff um, or even the local allotment, um, you will face opposition. In, 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 in many senses, if you step outside the front door of your life, um, especially if you're a single person, you step out the front door of your life into the world, there are oppos there's opposition all around. Um, even... Uh, in church and in church circles. So I just want to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us tonight um, and help us in this journey of how we deal with opposition. I guess in life we all encounter times and seasons where things tend to be going smoothly. There's other times when we seem to be ascending the hill of the Lord and all is well and we're on that mountaintop experiences. But then there's also times when we go through the valleys or we go through times of battle or we go through dry times or we go through times of opposition where we're heading in one direction and, and there seems to be an obstacle there and we head off in another direction and there's an obstacle there. And everywhere we turn, there seems to be issues that come against us. Well, I guess what we need to realise is that we have an enemy whether he's trying to destroy our natural life or our spiritual life, the enemy of our soul does not want you and I to succeed or mature in our Christian faith. The enemy wants to disrupt, distract, delay or destroy the work of God in your life and in mine and in us as a church as a whole. 
And therefore, we need to be aware of the enemy's devices or his schemes and plans or those obstacles that he brings in our way and to be able to discern whether it's the work of the enemy or it's a poor choice, whether it's the work of the enemy or uh, an attack against us, whether it's a, a, a thought or whether it's an accusation, whether it's us or whether it's the flesh or the devil. We need to work out what is happening so that we can effectively deal with the issues ahead of us. We've looked at and we've highlighted a number of things from the book of Nehemiah. It's full of great analogies of how to do certain things in the kingdom of God and then how to to appropriate that to us as the church in the 21st century. And I've just so enjoyed going through the book of Nehemiah, pulling out and piecing together how this book even though it was written way before Jesus came, way before um, the Holy Spirit birthed the church, it was written for us today and we can pick up so much from it. And in Nehemiah's life, he faced opposition and so did those who were building the city walls and rehanging the gates. They knew what it was like to come under pressure, to come under the opposition for the enemy to delay, to, de, to, to try and destroy the work that they had purposed in their hearts to do that God had showed them. And I want to read this portion, portion of scripture tonight from Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 1 and 2. And before we do, just going to pray. Father, as we open up your word, we thank you, Lord, that your word was given for our instruction and correction. It was given as inspiration. I thank you, Father, it is given for direction. And Lord, tonight we receive the implanted word of God in our hearts. We receive it and we allow you, Holy Spirit, to, to lead and guide and to speak through and speak into our hearts tonight in Jesus' name. So Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 1 says, Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah and Gershom the Arab and the rest of the enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it, though I, at that time I hadn't hung the doors in the gates, that Sambalat and Gershom sent to me saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Oh no, or Uno, but they thought to do me harm. Here we see the enemies of Israel, those that were opposing Nehemiah, coming to him, seemingly <coughs> wanting to have this conversation with him, to try and reason with him or debate with him. Yet Nehemiah knew in his heart that this was just a delaying tactic. It was a distraction to his life and it was something that they had planned for evil or to harm him in his journey. I wonder how many of us have walked through life and we've not been aware that we've been distracted by certain things. You can, you can be driving along and all of a sudden something, a car pulls out or, or, or someone slides down the ladder and suddenly you get distracted by the most important thing, which is to focus on the road. Things happen in life where we can so easily get distracted. And tonight, I want to highlight to you and to me that in our Christian walk, in our journey with the Lord, it is so easy to get distracted by other things rather than keeping the main thing 
the main thing. Nehemiah said, no, I'm not coming down off of this wall. I've got a purpose and a plan and I'm going to build. No delaying tactics, no distractions are going to take me off of the building program that's ahead of me. But each of us have a tendency to be distracted or um, taken away by our own thoughts and thinking. Or maybe the enemy has come along and sown seed in our heart or in our mind or in our thinking, sown seed that has caused us to, to uh, deviate from the plan of God in our life. Listen to this. This is what the dictionary's definition of the word distraction means. Distraction, according to the dictionary, means a thing that prevents someone from concentrating on something else. It's a distraction. You know, uh, I find it very hard preparing a message and having music playing in the background. It's a distraction. Other people, it is their joy, it's their pleasure to have music going on while they're focusing. Not for me. I have it absolute dead silent, complete silence so that I can focus focus clearly. Another definition would be an extreme agitation of the mind. That's the dictionary definition. Let's go for the biblical Greek translation of the word distraction. It is perepasso, something like that. And it means to draw away. Now, I think this is really powerful because if the, if the enemy or life as a, as a whole causes us to be distracted or drawn away from the things of God. And I think that's what happens in many people's lives. We have this moment where we're pressing into God. Oh, it's all about you. It's all about your presence. It's all about you, Father. I feel so close. I feel like I'm on a mountaintop. I feel like my Christianity is as strong as it's ever been. And then we get distracted and um, drawn away by life and circumstances around us. I believe there are many distractions that we face day to day in our lives that cause us to to not turn away from God but be distracted preoccupied with other things excuse me let me have a quick drink and we get distracted by by other things other things that are not so important. Remember, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. But the problem is we get distracted by all the other things and all the other things become the most important thing of our life. And therefore, the seeking God is secondary. But it's, it's the other way around. It's, how, it's the opposite of how it should be. There was a moment in, in, in Mary and Martha's life where Jesus turned up and he went into Martha's house and, and, and there, was, there was this moment of the two sisters in the house and Jesus and the disciples turning up. I'm going to read it. Luke chapter 10, verse 40, and this is what it says. But Martha was, here's that word, distracted with much serving. Do you know what? When opposition comes against us, we can get so distracted by the opposition that we forget the main thing in our life, which is walking with God, serving God, living for, for God. But we get distracted by fighting the enemy. Do you know what? The Bible doesn't say that. It says submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
But we get so focused on fighting the devil that we forget to submit to God and then we do all our battling and before we know it we're worn out, tired out, exhausted because all we're doing is casting down this and fighting against that and coming against all the arrows when actually if we need to submit to God, resist the devil, you know that's putting your hand on his head, resisting him, submitting to God and he will flee from you. Here Martha was distracted with much serving. Oh, she was getting on and doing so many things that seemingly could have looked so good. She could, you could have looked at Martha and thought, "Wow, she's got such a servant heart. Look at her. Oh, she just, she's just serving. She's, she's looking after the people in her home. She's such a good homemaker. Look at the way she's kept the house clean." And but actually, it was a distraction. She was distracted with much serving, and she. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Well, number one, that's a, it's a bit bold by Martha, don't you think? You know, there should be a bit of Mary and Martha in every single one of our hearts. We have a heart to sit at Jesus' feet, but we have a heart like Martha to serve and any way we can to serve him. And, and I, I think the Mary and the Martha, we can learn so much from this passage of Scripture. But I love Jesus' response back to Martha. Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled? Pulled away by all these many distractions. Do you know what? That's what life can be like. There, especially right now, there's so many distractions. There's, there, I, I've, I've not got Netflix. I, I, I have no, I've never seen Netflix. But from what I hear on the radio, there are so many people who are watching whole series on Netflix. Why? What, what's happening? You're getting distracted. You imagine if you'd spent that time in the Word or spent that time in prayer on your knees before God. What would that have done to your heart? Where would your maturity in Christ be now? Had you not watched five series on Netflix, but you'd focused on the word of God. I don't know. Only you know what maturity that would bring. But here Jesus is saying, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled? Maybe in our life, some of the upset and the trouble is because we are distracted by the other things. Pulled, by, pulled away by all these many distractions. Are they really important? What a great question Jesus asks in the middle of this conversation that he's having. Are they really important, Martha? Are they really important? Are those other distractions in your life and mine, are they really important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important. You can't argue with Jesus here. You can't, you can't debate, well, Jesus, you know these things have got to get... No, no, no. Mary has discovered the one thing that is most important. And by choosing to sit at my feet, and she is undistracted. And I won't take this privilege from her. I, I look at this and I think, hey, church, have we got so distracted? During lockdown, have we become so distracted by, by all that's around us and what's happening to this world? 
Have we forgotten the most important thing, and that's to sit at Jesus' feet, to feed on him, to be in his presence, to grow in our relationship with him, to to abide in him and allow him to abide in us? Have we got so distracted that we have forgotten to keep the main thing, the main thing, that we've forgotten to put the main ingredient in our life? Have we become so distracted that we no longer have him being in the rightful place that he should have? We need to be aware of the distractions that may be pulling us away um, from, from perhaps little by little. It doesn't happen all at once. Just little by little, we're getting drawn away from keeping Jesus and our relationship with him at that number one priority. See, Jesus taught not, not just here when in this life situation, but he taught his disciples a parable all about this. And you know, we'll find this in Luke chapter 8 and verse 14. We're not going to look at the the all four grounds. We're going to just look at one specific ground. Jesus was teaching about the wayside, the, the, the stony ground, the, the, the grounds of our heart. What, what the seed, when the word of God lands on the good ground or the, the hard ground or the, the weedy ground of our life. What, what, what does that look like? What, and I really want us to focus on the third type of ground. Because it shows us how the devil, how the enemy comes in to distract us from the very thing, the, the maturing, the growing and the walking in God that he wants us to experience. So listen to this. You know, if you've got your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 8 and verse 14. And it says, and the seed that fell in the weeds, <clears throat> well, these are the ones who hear, but the seed is crowded out and nothing comes of it as they go about their lives worrying about tomorrow, making money and having fun. In many senses, you can look at this and think, well, you, you don't know what tomorrow brings. We can never be sure of tomorrow. And, you know, if you've got an anxious heart or you're a bit of a warrior, you can very much be concerned about the next day, what, what tomorrow will bring. But Jesus clearly doesn't teach us to worry about tomorrow. Sufficient is today that we shouldn't be worrying about tomorrow. Then he says about making money or having fun. So I want to look at these three things because they are all opposition, but they're subtle. They are they're, they're opposition to our life, but unless we see it for what it is, we can be so oblivious to what's happening in our life. And the enemy will try and take us out in this journey. He will try with deceptive means, carefully orchestrated plans and subtly directed attacks upon our life. And this is what he will use. He will sow weeds amongst the seeds of our life. Firstly, we can so easily become distracted by our own personal lives, our own anxious cares and thoughts and the natural pressures of life around us. Jesus highlighted this as one of those areas that causes the weeds to be sown in our lives. 
You know, I don't have time to serve God. Why? Because I'm busy doing other things right now. God understands. It's a seed. Somewhere in your life, a negative seed's been planted. Your care, your anxiety, uh, your, your, your preoccupation with everything else that's going around makes you think you don't have time for God, for God's house, for God's people. And that is a lie. But if that seed is sown deep enough in your heart, it will cause you to step further and further and further away from the things of God. I can't get my head around all these things I need to do. I don't have time for anything else. Preoccupation or preoccupying thoughts and worries, worrying about the kids, worrying about the bills, worrying about your health, worrying about what may happen, worrying about what did happen, worrying. We can't live our life worrying and being anxious and and all wrapped up and tied up in knots about what hasn't even taken place. We need to take a hold of that root and uproot the deceptive, anxious thoughts and troubling thoughts that plague our minds. Second thought is this. We can become so easily consumed by the riches of this world. The need to buy, the need to have, and the need to save. We need a bigger house, we need a bigger car or a newer car. We need the latest phone, the latest gadgets, we deserve a holiday. Therefore, we need to cut back. Guess what? When you hear those words, we need to cut back, what's the first thing that comes into your life? For many, it would be we need to cut back perhaps on our tithe for a while. That's the worst thing that you can do in your life and in your finances. We, we, that needs to be priority. Don't touch your tithe because it's God's. It's not mine. It's not the church's. It's not family churches. The tithe is God's. And it's so important that we remember that in our journey. It's the first area that the enemy attacks when it comes down to finances, when the bills come in, when the financial pressure's on, when things look bleak, it's the tithe that always goes. But think about this. Once the devil can get you to compromise on what belongs to God, he knows he's not going to be rebuked and he is able to devour your life in that area. Listen to this. I, I know we know this scripture. But knowing it and living it are two separate things. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. What is the storehouse? It's where you're fed. It's where your the word of God goes into your heart. It's where your local pastor would be. It's that, that, that place where the word of God goes out. It's that place where the pastoral support is. It's into the storehouse. Bring all your tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this says the lord of hosts if i will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it and because you brought the tithe into the storehouse and i will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit 
for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. What he is, what is he, what is he saying? Don't let the pleasures and the finances of life, the worry and the cares of all the things that are happening, don't let them rob you or convince you to stop doing spiritual things like giving your tithes, reading the word, praying, speaking in tongues, communing with the Lord, in worship with him. Don't allow the enemy to rob you and do not then go ahead and rob God of his tithes and of offerings. I believe it's so, so important One, when under financial pressure that we don't cave into it, that we push through it with spiritual principles in place. The next thing is the fleeting pleasures of this life. See, all these things will bring attack on your life or you'll be aware of how the enemy brings attack in your life and you'll be able to go on the offensive. It's the fleeting pleasures of this life or a self-focused life. I need my time. It's only for a season I won't be missed. Oh, yes, you will. It's, it's, only, it's, it's the only pleasure I have in life. God won't mind. Well, if it's, if it's taking his place, if it's preoccupying his place, it then becomes our God in our life. Anything that takes the place of God becomes our God in our heart. Anything that causes you to draw away from God rather than to God becomes one of those fleeting pleasures of our life that will not produce, has no lasting effect and is an enemy to your soul. These are all subtle weapons that the enemy uses against you and I in our Christian walk, in our natural walk. He will do everything he can to hinder the work of God and the advancement of the kingdom of God. And God needs you. God needs you. He, we need you as the body of Christ, as the household of faith, as the church, as the bride of Christ. We need every single one I just pray that during this lockdown time where church has been been unable to gather, that we are all hungering and desiring to come together, to be together. We are going to have one praise party when we come, come back together. We're going to have one praise night where we come together and we sing and declare and we praise and we worship and we, we just allow him to fill the place with his praise and his presence. But you know what? The enemy wants to hinder and he wants to hinder your life. We can have that praise party right here, right now in, in your own living room, in your own office, in your, in, in, in your car to work. You can have your own praise party. You don't have to wait till we get together. Don't let the enemy put obstacles in your way. Let's be prepared and ready right now as if he was here right now because he is. Let's go back to Nehemiah because we can see this ongoing situation. Nehemiah chapter 6 and it says, so I sent messengers, <clears throat> uh, chapter 6 verse 3 to 9. So I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to come down so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent me 
this message four times and I answered them in the same manner. Then Sambalat sent his servant to me as before the fifth time. When uh, with an open letter in his hand, it was in it was written. It is reported among the nations. Um, and Gershom says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to the rumours, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king, that you have also appointed prophets to proclaim, con uh, pro proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king. So come, therefore, and let us consult together. Deception and, and deceit that is being spoken out here. Then I sent to him, saying, no such thing as you ask that you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they were all trying to make us afraid, saying their hand will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. Now, therefore, God strengthen my hand. In moments of pressure and temptation and distraction, when you resist the enemy, when you stand against him, God will come and strengthen your hand, just like he did with Nehemiah here. Remember, whatever we do in life, God has a perfect plan for you. His timing is always perfect. No matter what the distractions, you know, I, I, I guess we can, we can defer the plan of God. You know, the children of Israel deferred because of their disobedience. You know, what should have taken them just a few days took them 40 years as they traveled through the wilderness. We can defer the plan, but he has a plan. I don't want to defer the plans of God. I want to be on time, in time, doing his will as he's called me whenever he's called me to do it. Don't allow the enemy to talk you into delaying what God had for you. God's timing is always perfect. Number one, it's perfect because it enables us to focus our faith on him and him alone. And, and it also strengthens our heart in this journey, knowing and trusting him in the journey. And in the end, he will get all the praise and all the glory. I, I love the story of Joseph. You know, the story of Joseph shows a man who had a promise from God. And yet that what that promise wasn't for now. And he kept on walking toward whatever the plan of God was. He didn't know how to get there. And circumstances took him on a long, long, long journey. But you never hear in the life of Joseph him complaining or him moaning or him saying about God, where are you in the midst of all this? He just kept trusting God in the journey. You know, he was rejected by his family. He was thrown um, he was thrown into the well. He was sold into slavery. He was falsely accused. He was imprisoned. All these things took place before the revealed plan of God took place in his life. When you look at that, I think it's just amazing that he kept he kept on he kept on keeping on. He didn't give up. He didn't give. He didn't pull back. But he just kept on focusing on the things of God. Remember, all things can turn around for the good of those who love him and accord according to his purposes. God can turn every negative around for the good. But we just need to keep in faith, keep trusting him, 
keep focused on him. Our job isn't to figure out how God or when God will do it, but it's to trust him in the journey, knowing that he will turn it around in our life. We need to stop trying to figure things out and stop getting distracted, but let God be God in our life. When opposition comes, be of good cheer. Why Jesus said, I have overcome the world. We are now more than conquerors in Christ who now strengthens us. He has given us the power to triumph in life. You just keep, you can keep on going and going that we now are above only and not beneath. We are the head and not the tail. Just keep trusting him when opposition, but don't get distracted. It's almost like put the blinkers on in our life. Don't get distracted by what's happening over here. Don't get distracted by what somebody else is doing. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all those things will be added to you. Nehemiah is an incredible story. I'm just going to finish with this last scripture. Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 10 through the 13. Afterwards I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah. The son of Meta, but Metabal, Metabal, I can't pronounce him, Meta, whoever, um, who was a secret informer. And he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the door of the temple for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night they will come and kill you. And I said, should such a man as I flee? And who is there? And who is this? Uh, and who is there such as I who, no, let me read again. And who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Then I perceived that God had not sent him at all, but he had pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sembalat had hired him. For this reason he was hired, that I should be afraid and act that way and sin, so that they might have a cause for an evil report, that they might reproach me. I love the fact that as Nehemiah trusted God in the journey, and as opposition came against him, as spiritual pressure mounted against him, what did he do? He trusted God. He listened to the small, still voice. And the Bible says, and he perceived that God had not sent them. Do you know what? He only perceived that because he was listening. He was, he was, he had stilled his heart to hear what God was saying. In the midst of pressure, when persecution, when pressure, when, when attacks come our way, let's remember in the midst of the pressure to steal, to be still and know that he is God. To be still and hear the word of the Lord. The enemy has no right to stand against you. He has no right to stand against the people of God. He has absolutely no right. He is a defeated foe. He has been beaten. He is The keys of, of death, hell and the grave have been taken back from him. And he was made a public spectacle by Jesus. Family Church, can I remember, remind you of this last promise? In Isaiah 54, it says, no weapon fashioned against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of from me, says the Lord. Opposition will come. 
but it doesn't have to prosper. Things may be spoken against us, but they don't have to come to anything. Our responsibility is to stand on the promises of God, to stand and knowing what the will of God is. If God be for me, then who can be against me? If God is the feet of the enemy, then I can stand in the victory. And if his blood washes me, then I'm cleansed and forgiven. There's no weapon that's fashioned against us that will prosper. And every voice that stands against us will be condemned. Family church, when pressure comes against you, like Nehemiah, hear the word of the Lord. Know what God is saying. Stand upon the promises of God and see the enemy defeated before you. Just like David and Goliath. In that moment when the Goliath is putting the pressure on David, he's saying, I'm going to take your head off. I'm going to feed you to, to I'm going to do all these things. You're just a pipsqueak. I'm going to, you're going to come on out with, with, a, with, with, with next to nothing. Do you think I'm a dog? And, and Goliath is belittling him. And then David turns around and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he defies the, the, the people of the living God? I tell you what, that's the same response that we need to have. Who are you when you come against God's covenant people? Who are you when you lie and you deceive and you distract? I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to come down from this good work, but I'm going to live full on for God. I'm going to live in this, in this pandemic time. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to grow in him. I'm going to mature my faith in him. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, forsake the assembling of myself with other Christians whether it's on zoom or whether it's a prayer meeting or whether it's uh, uh, FC local live in the weeks to come I'm not gonna I'm not gonna succumb to the pressure that the enemy would put on me but I know in whom I have believed that he is able to do what he has said he's gonna do I don't know about you family church but I'm standing against every opposition and I'm gonna pray for you tonight that in the midst of pressure, in the midst of distraction, we have a wake-up call. We know in whom we have believed. We know who we are in Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who now lives in me. So let us pray tonight, church. Father, I thank you for every person who's hearing this message tonight, whether it's live or in catch-up. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take these words and just fill the hearts of your people with courage in the in in the evil day father that you would give courage lord i come against distraction i come against lord those things that would cause us to take our eyes off of you cause our eyes lord to be focused on you Lord, that our eyes will turn to the hills from whence comes our help, for our help comes from the Lord. Father, that we would seek you and find you when we seek you with all of our heart. Father, I pray that you would cause our eyes to look to you in pressure, whether we're in the mountaintop or whether we're in the valley or whether we're in the wilderness, wherever we are, Father, I pray tonight, right now, in, in those who are hearing my voice, Lord, that they would turn their eyes to Jesus. And Father, that you would deliver them, that you would separate them from the things of this world, that we would follow hard after you with the joy that knows no limit. Father, I release this word into the hearts of every believer in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. I just trust that tonight this has encouraged you to stand against the works of the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week and we'll catch up with you again very, very soon.